Eagles Entertainment. With the 13th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and things really get hot and heavy this week. We dipped our toe into the water last Saturday with week zero of college football, but this weekend, we've got a full slate, people. Week one of the college football season is here. I'm excited. You're excited. We're all excited, so let's get into this. We've got a big show for you all. We're going to start things off with a visit from my friend Eric Galco and Mr. Relevant. Eric's going to join us on the road here as he's getting ready to take in some college football action. We'll talk with Eric just about the general scope of this senior class and just big picture topics around this college football season as it gets ready to get underway. After that, we've got Saturday Scouting. Ben Fennell and I are going to talk through some of the top prospects taking the field this weekend. Who do you need to have your eye on in some of the biggest games? Ben and I have you covered as well as taking a look at a mock draft from The Athletic that just dropped this week. So we'll get into that there in Saturday Scouting. After that, the return of pick six. Ross Tucker and I begin our head-to-head matchups looking at this week's slate of games. Longtime listeners of this show will remember this segment and it is back for a third year. Stick around as Ross and I pick some games, talk some trash, have a little bit of fun at the end of the show. And also, we close things out with our draft mailbag, a QB-related question there in our draft mailbag episode uh, right at the end of this show. As always, before we get started, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question for our draft mailbag, We'll be doing them once weekly here on the show. That is the place to leave them. Jump onto Apple Podcasts, leave us a question in the comment box. We'll answer it here next week on the show because the the queue is empty. You'll get right to the front of the queue if you jump in now with your draft-related question. appreciate everybody that has done that in recent weeks as we've been gearing up for the start of the college football season. That said, let's get things started. Excited to catch up with Eric Galco this week. He's now Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. All right, well, excited to welcome back to the show for the first time in a couple months, uh, my friend Eric Galco, the Director of Football Operations and Player Personnel for the Shrine Bowl. Check him out on Twitter, just like I do, at Eric Galco. Eric, welcome back to the show, man. Like I said, it's been a few months. Appreciate it, man. What's going on? No, I'm I'm excited for uh, for week one to be here, as all of our listeners are as well. And before we get into this year's class and kind of talking through this weekend and just this season in general, I first want to just kind of talk to you about what it was like for you this past week. The final cutdowns across the NFL, all 32 teams getting down to the 53-man roster. Uh, and I look at our, around the league, and I, I saw your updates on your Twitter account as well. The success that you guys had at the Shrine Bowl this year with placing uh, you know, the, the D2 players, you guys had a lot of success at that level, HBCU players, guys that switched positions, players that you know maybe were under the radar that you guys targeted and projected really well because those guys were able to stick in the NFL in their 53-man roster as rookies. I had to feel good, so I almost want to kind of get your sense from your point of view uh, just throughout that entire part of this process the last couple of weeks. Yeah, man, it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun, especially for these guys who have worked worked their butts off the whole draft process. And for us, the scouting team, you know, we had 45 draft picks last year, which was a, a record for the Shrine Bowl most in over a decade, and we were happy with that. So we're competitive, and we were like, man, I can't believe these five, six, seven, ten, fifteen guys weren't picked. To see a lot of those guys make a roster despite going undrafted, including guys like Armani Rogers, who had never played tight end before getting to Vegas for the Shrine Bowl, he makes the Washington Commanders roster. Or Tanner Connor, a track star receiver, now turned tight end for the Dolphins. You mentioned the D2. We had five Division II players 
generally those guys don't get drafted, don't make rosters. All five D2 players from the Shrine Bowl made the roster. And then HBCU-wise, four HBCU guys, two drafted, and made rosters. So it's been a lot of fun to see. I, I've remained close with a good number of players from last year's Shrine Bowl. It's the best part of this job. And to see these guys have, have worked their butts off and, and, and really make sure that when they get to camp, they were prepared, they were ready, and showed teams why we thought, why they thought, they should have been draft picks. So it's been a lot of fun this weekend. We're going to be riding about 90 guys, either roster or practice squad, which I'm really, really proud of. I'm proud of these guys. That's awesome, man. Like I said, that's a credit to you and to your staff for uh, targeting these guys and really hitting on a number of these evaluations. And obviously, uh, still a lot of work to do on their end, but just a, an awesome start uh, for you guys at the Shrine Bowl. Let's now transition to this season here for 2022. Week one this week. And just kind of taking a, taking a look at the entire senior class as a whole, what do you view as the most top-heavy position in this group as we go into the season at this point? You know, I think the, the easy answer would be receiver because it's been the same way for like seven years now, right? Every year has been a great receiver class. So I won't say that. I could say quarterback, which is crazy considering how important and difficult position is to evaluate, but really are spoiled with a lot of great senior quarterbacks in this year's draft class, not to mention the juniors that are going to be there as well. And I'm going to go edge rusher, I think, for two reasons. One, We've got really impressive top-end talent, guys that could be first-round picks, guys like Nolan Smith and uh, Irie Wilson and Will McDonald, among others, who could be really high draft picks, but a lot of depth and a lot of guys who can be your traditional 4-3 at DN, can be kind of a hybrid guy, can be a stand-up edge rusher, guys that are really good athletes, guys like Robert Beal of Georgia who have been around the block and could be really safe players for NFL teams as either rotational or starter-level edge rushers. So, that versatility, that depth, and the top-end talent on the senior class. I'm, I'm really going to see not only who rises to go from a first-round pick to a top-ten pick, but how many guys can be those top-100 guys. You've got maybe seven or eight guys rated at top-100 or higher draft picks among the edge rushers just in the senior class this year. So very, very deep group. All right, well, let's keep that conversation going and just a little bit of a different twist to it. When you look at the senior class, what do you view as the deepest group? You know, I, I know last year we talked about quarterback, we talked about tight end, we talked about uh, some of these other positions, and you say, yeah, like there's a lot of depth, maybe not like the blue chip guys day one, day two. What do you view of that as being the case uh, here for the 2022? Yeah, I, I think Edge will be that, that deep last. I think receiver, you mentioned quarterback, you mentioned tight end's pretty good too. Maybe not as top-heavy, but offensive line, especially interior offensive line, got a lot of guys who can be day two and early day three picks. But I think that defensive end spot is going to be one of the deepest spots in this upcoming year's draft. Juniors for sure, but I mean, just in the senior class in my world, um, guys like Andre Carter, Will McDonald, uh, Nolan Smith, many others are going to be in the mix to be top two or three round guys. All right, so who's a guy – I love asking people this in terms of someone that you feel that – people are kind of sleeping on right now and you're well aware with talking with people all around the league who people and teams are high on at this point in the process and obviously taking in what the, what a lot of the media reports on uh who's kind of buzzing from that standpoint is there a guy that you feel is kind of is at the top of the list and someone that the nfl is very high on but teams are uh, the media is not really talking about at this point in the process you know i gotta say as a side note it's amazing how many people in the league look at stuff in the media and I get texts and calls being like, when you see this guy as a first round pick, I don't like him at all. I don't see this guy anywhere. So it's very fun that NFL scouts are looking at kind of where maybe the media, just to get a sense for maybe they, are they, you know, viewing a guy the right way or whatever else it may be. 
the one guy that's come up, and this is a bit of how much we like him, as well as um, I think how NFL teams view him, and just what kind of guys rise in the draft process, J.L. Skinner of Boise State. He'll play this weekend against Oregon State, but a really physical, impactful safety who can play center field, cover three, come down and finish a couple of massive, massive hits on some a year ago. But he's also got the length. He's 6'3 plus. He's got the body type. He's a leader. He's a captain. He just checks so many boxes that I think he's a guy, not a whole lot of major glaring weaknesses but stuff to clean up. Like those guys ascend when teams start really stacking their board. And I would say right now, he's a guy we view that feel can be a definite, you know, definite first round pick if he has a season we're expecting. And I'm not sure people talk about him in that way yet. So JL Skinner's been a we like NFL team brought up, but I think he's not in your first round mock draft. He will be by then. Interesting. Uh, certainly when you look at safeties that have those kind of movement skills and uh, can be the kind of reliable downhill player that he showed he could be last year, I think that that usually adds up to a guy being a higher pick than people may think. Uh, last question for you, Eric, and we'll get you out of here. One matchup going into week one that's kind of flying under the radar for a game that's this weekend. We're recording this on Thursday morning. Uh, we know that there are going to be some week one's games tonight, including the backyard brawl. But when you look ahead to this weekend, what's one matchup with NFL draft implications that you're most excited about? Yeah, I mean, I just you look at the schedule. I'm just so starved for football. Like every single game's got like three matchups. I can't wait to see. But, but I was in the one, you know, even aside from the all-star game world, really excited to see Utah, Florida. Utah's got a ton of NFL draft class talent, a lot of seniors on the O-line, the D-line, the, the back seven. And then I got to get to see Anthony Richardson at Manning Passing Academy, and he is maybe the most physically impressive and just overall talent impressive quarterback I've seen since Sam Newton. Like, just you see him and you're like, that guy is either a one of one or a one of five ever. And I think really seeing him now as the guy we've won – uh, what he can do versus guys like Clark Phillips and that Utah, you know, back defenses, you know, eight or seven with, you know, Modi Abadi could do well in coverage as well. I think there's a lot of NFL draft prospects on that Utah defense across the board. And I think Anthony Richardson, again, similar to, to J.L. Skinner, if you told me by November 1st that he's the obvious first overall pick in the draft, I, I wouldn't be surprised he's that talented. So excited to see that matchup of a great Utah you know, experienced Utah team, a lot of depth, a lot of talent against Anthony Richardson and the kind of new offense as the guy really excited for that yeah, I'm going to be talking about that matchup a little bit later in the show with Ross, and so I'll give my full thoughts there, but I will say I agree with you that that, that is a fascinating matchup and something that really could kind of uh, get the ball rolling in terms of uh, a narrative going into this season because uh, you know some people are in on Anthony Richardson right now, but I don't think the, the common uh, college football fan uh, may be fully aware of what his skill set is, uh, but the flashes last year were fascinating and a, and a great stage here uh, against Utah. It's incredible, man. The Manning Passing Academy, he threw a 60-yard pass, tight spiral, completed, did a backflip. And he's, what, 6'3", 225. Like, this this kid could be really special. See what he does. He's got to be a quarterback. But as far as just the natural skills, I think, you know, I don't want to be late on that train. If that train's not taken off yet, I'm going to make sure I'm beyond just in case. Because he could be, he could, again, he could be a one-of-one one or a one-of-five ever. That's how special this guy can be. Love it. Well, Eric, we will uh, we will be catching up with you throughout the course of the college football season leading up uh, to the Shrine Bowl next January, February. Appreciate you joining us once again here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. It's time for Saturday Scouting. 
All right, good stuff there from Eric Galco as we begin our first Saturday scouting with Ben Fennell previewing week one here in college football. Ben, uh, excited to get going here. There's a great slate of games this weekend for Labor Day. I like that college football gets right after with some powerhouse matchups. There's no ease into the regular season or ease into conference play. There are some heavy hitter matchups right out of the gate here litmus test in week one for some major programs i'm excited and not even just like from a college football like oh man like you know you've got ohio state notre dame but it's like also like from an nfl draft standpoint a ton of really fun prospect implications there's playoff implications there's program implications it's week one college football season succinct it's like the nfl every week matters You better come out sharp there's no like learning curve there's no hey we'll fix it you know in week three week four you, you have a bad start to the season, you're kind of done, and it really sets the tone for your whole year. Let's get the ball rolling here, and we'll talk through our number one matchup, our matchup to watch, a, a great one-on-one battle we're most excited to see this weekend. I'll let you kick it off. Well, I think the uh, the Oregon-Georgia game is intriguing for yes. a number of reasons. Obviously, a little southeast versus northwest out there, just kind of conflicting matchups, and a lot of prospects. And I think the, one of the more intriguing, fascinating prospects in the entire country is Christian Gonzalez at Oregon, a guy that's ninth currently on Dane Brugler's top 50. He showed up 11th on uh, Nate Tice's uh, mock draft the other day with The Athletic, some great draft coverage over there at The Athletic all year, lo- uh, all year long. But Christian Gonzalez is a bit of an unknown. Transferred from Colorado, big, tall, firm, athletic, fast cover corner. Well, he's at Oregon now, and he's playing Georgia. I don't think they're going to test him a whole lot in the pass game, but he better be on his P's and Q's in the run game. A lot of force playing out there in the flat. Got to come up and tackle and run support. Yeah, he could be challenged by a receiver or two down the field. They have some intriguing receivers with speed on the outside. That kid that wears number five, Adonis uh, Jackson, his name might be, had a couple of big catches for him last year opposite George Pickens. But we know Georgia wants to run the ball. Better come up and tackle. And I think his game last year against USC and Drake London, he took some lumps in the pass game in coverage but was a pretty good run defender. So I want to see him come up, tackle, and show that physicality, and then we'll we'll get to the coverage on those occasional third and longs. Uh, it's 6'2", 200 pounds. I, I studied Christian Gonzalez a couple weeks ago, and uh, we talked about the, how, the, how wide open this corner group is. He has the highest upside, I feel, of all these corners that I've studied so far, just because at that size, he is a really good athlete. He's got man-to-man capabilities, uh, pure press man traits. I- I'm really excited to see what Gonzalez looks like in this new scheme. I call him the most fascinating because he's kind of unknown, yet he has exceptional traits and exceptional upside right now, and there's a lot of buzz and a lot of hype behind him. So I say he is the most fascinating prospect right now. That's Will Anderson included. Right. You know, that's Brian Brezzi included. That's everyone included. He is fascinating for a number of reasons, and a lot of that's because he's a little bit unknown right now. Coming from Colorado, not a lot of buzz, but I think guys like Dane and Nate Tice, just the way they're talking about him really speaks to his potential. All right, well, let's get to uh, to mine here, and I'm going to go with one of those big matchups, Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, you look at Ohio State, people are always going to be focusing on that offensive line. Two tackles uh, you need to watch. Left side, Paris Johnson making the move. He was the right guard last year, making the move to left tackle, it looks like, for the Buckeyes here this fall. He's got tackle feet. The, the traits are really impressive with Paris Johnson, uh, a rising junior, so he is eligible for next spring's draft. Then you've got the senior right tackle, Dewan Jones, who is a mammoth human being. 
outstanding, rare size for the position. Now, he's going to sacrifice some movement skills with that, but I didn't think he was necessarily like a big slug either. I think he moves fairly well for a guy that size. So Paris Johnson on one side, Dewan Jones on the other. What does that look like for Isaiah Foskey, the stud edge rusher for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? I, I compared Isaiah Foskey to like a Brian Burns in terms of uh, he is a pure high side rusher, but I think he's got some of those inside counters that uh, continued to show up a number of times last year, can give up a little bit in the run game, but I'm interested to see him hold up here against two really talented tackles, especially in some of those run game reps against Dewan Jones. I think will be really interesting for Foskey, and it's gonna since it's such an early season matchup, this is going to be one of those ones that can really tilt the scales for Foskey moving forward is how people view him. How does he fare in this Ohio State game? That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think that's a big litmus test game for him as a prospect. And, you know, in that same conversation, Brandon Joseph, sure. the safety transfer from Northwestern, now with Notre Dame. This is going to be an NFL-style offensive attack coming at you at C.J. Stroud. It's going to try to move and manipulate those safeties. Brandon Joseph, I don't I think he really played how we wanted to last year. Some injuries, some performance-based stuff right out the gate. Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, you know, eyeballs are going to be on Brandon Joseph. Yeah, yeah no question. A lot of receivers <laughs> yeah. and NFL-style passing attack where he likes to work and control those safeties and push the ball down the field. He's going to be in the fire. So let's see if he makes some big plays. All right, next category here, most to gain. A player who could really benefit from a strong performance this weekend. I'll bounce this one to you first. Well, I think this Florida-Utah game has a lot of intriguing matchups, and I'm going to go right in the trenches there with uh, Gervin Dexter there against the big Utah interior offensive linemen. We know those guys out west, a lot of Polynesians, a lot of Samoans. Yep. They're big, they're powerful, they like to move you off the ball. Well, let's show up week one right here. Let's stop the run. Let's play strong at the point of attack and force Utah on some third and mediums and longs and get up the field. So I want to see Dexter really control the point, stop the run, and have a big splash game right out the gate. And also on that defense, Trey Dean, Rashad Torrance, mm. two veteran safeties, they're going to be seeing some Brant Cuthy, you know, kind of a move athletic tight end. They're going to see Tavion Thomas at running back there. So some good matchups with uh, tight ends, running backs, in the Florida safeties. That's a good call. Uh, the, the Utah tight end room, really, really strong. Uh, we talked in the last segment with with Eric, and we're going to talk in the next segment with Ross, uh, about Anthony Richardson and, and what he could be. I think if you go to the other side, like Jervin Dexter, as you mentioned, I'm super high on Dexter. Like I think that he's got all the traits to be a really, really impressive uh, nose tackle moving into the NFL. The, you, there aren't a lot of guys that are that big that move like he does with those light feet inside. He is really tall, too. He is pushing 6'6". Six, six. I wrote down Kinlaw, mm. and I don't think Kinlaw was really used in an advantageous way at South Carolina. It was really an unsexy position right. where he couldn't produce a lot of three-man rushes. I think he's in a more advantageous spot to get some TFLs, get some sacks, but it's in a Kinlaw package, so I'm pretty excited. And Trey Dean out there at Florida has been there for a million years. He played corner, played some yeah. nickel, played some star. He's playing as a true freshman. Took, took over yep. uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's role. Yep. Now he's a back-end player. He's been there for five years. Intriguing player, tall, long player. All right, so let's get to the to mine here. And for me, I kind of look at this almost like from a, a narrative standpoint. Uh, who again, most to get? Who could really benefit most from a strong performance? Well, going up against this Georgia defense, if you're able to make any kind of mark whatsoever, uh, that is going to be really, really impressive. Even though it's a new scheme, a new coach, and it's a, a lot of new personnel. So I look at Oregon quarterback Bo Nix, previously with Auburn, three-year starter down there with the Tigers, transfers out, ends up at the Oregon Ducks. He goes back to face an, S an old SEC rival with Georgia. 
led by Dan Lanning, former head coach or former defensive coordinator at Georgia. So he's got an idea of that defensive personnel. Get some get some intel there for Bo Nix. Can Bo Nix come out and have a big performance? Remember that big game he had against Oregon when he was at Auburn as a true freshman? Can Nix come out and have some of that same magic here in week one? That will go a long way towards building some positive vibes for him in his final season. A lot of fascinating storylines in that game. Yes, a really, really fun one there. All right, let's get to... Uh, some of the late night games here, prospects after dark. So this is a guy. Everybody's obviously always locked in on the three thirty games, the twelve noon games, even those early primetime games. But in the games that start eight o'clock or later, maybe you're like me and you've got a toddler, you got to get him to bed, and you're not, then you sit down uh, to watch some college football. Uh, who are the prospects to watch there in that in that from the, that time slot there? Ben? Well, you guys are all focused on the noons and the three thirties yep. and that sexy primetime at seven thirty or eight on ABC or ESPN. Well, don't forget about the Friday games too. Yeah. There's some Thursday games. How about Friday? We got TCU Colorado at 10 p.m. on ESPN. I bet that gets good ratings. I think that's the premier matchup there uh, on Friday night. But TCU, looking at Quentin Johnston, big, tall, explosive receiver out there. Showed up on the freak list as expected. This is a Martavis Bryant type of receiver. So let's see if he can start the season hot out there. I'm not exactly sure what the quarterback situation is at TCU, but TCU is a really talented program, and they have Colorado Friday night, 10 p.m., great primetime matchup. Love it. Uh, it's, I know you love Quentin Johnson uh, based off of the, our conversations about him. Uh, I will stick in the group of five because I'm going to go to Saturday night, 10.30. we got Boise State, Oregon State. Boise State safety JL Skinner. Uh, Eric actually talked about him in the last segment. I, I, I'm glad I didn't want to talk too much about him um, because I knew I was going to talk about him here. But JL Skinner is a really long, rangy safety. There, are, if you're watching Mountain West football uh, and you're watching offensive players, you can't help but notice JL Skinner pop up whenever they go up against the uh, against the Smurf turf and the Boise State Broncos. Because Skinner, uh, he's long and he flies downhill. Uh, does a great job in the alley. He can make plays on the ball. JL Skinner is a really fun player. You know, he's going to have some matchup opportunities against Luke Musgrave, really yep. athletic, wide tight end out there at Oregon State. And Oregon State. Joe Moore Award finalist last year at offensive line. They want to run the ball at you. So, J.L. Skinner, let's watch him in run support. And then let's watch him in coverage against a really high-level athletic tight end. All right, so I'm going to ask you to call your shot here, Ben. Predict a big game from one prospect this weekend. Uh, A little bit of a profile on the player as well. All right, I don't think I'm, you know, uh, breaking any news here. We got number 16 Miami facing Bethune-Cookman. A bit of a, you know, cupcake game to start the season. They play every three years, 2015, 45 nothing, 2019, 63 nothing. Well, I think big sophomore Tyler Van Dyke's going to have a big game right out the gate, maybe five, six touchdowns. But we kind of expect that, but he needs to introduce us to some new receivers out mm. there. Charleston Rambo's gone, some other guys are transferred. Xavier Restrepo, Keyshawn Smith, not exactly household names, not yet. Big game against Bethune-Cookman, and all of a sudden we get some buzz going. Jalen Knighton, number four at running back. Look out for him to maybe lead the ACC in rushing. That's Sean Tucker and all those other guys mm. included. Really talented running back. So Miami, Bethune-Cookman, not expecting to be too competitive, but some NFL prospects might be able to pad the stats. I love it. All right, well, I'm going to think, speaking of uh, padding stats, I'm going to look at Ole Miss taking on Troy Saturday afternoon. Now, Ole Miss, uh, Ben, a team that's near and dear to your heart because they are as active as anybody on the transfer portal, and they brought in two big-time running backs. They went and got Zach Evans from TCU, and then they went and got 
Ulysses Bentley from SMU. I was really high on Bentley as a redshirt freshman a couple of years ago, really flashed in a number of games that I watched uh, SMU on TV and on film. Well, Bentley now is going to be kind of the, the Robin to Zach Evans' Batman. And so when I say against Troy, all right, Zach Evans comes up. They get a nice, comfortable lead. All right, let's 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 it's time to feed Ulysses Bentley. Something tells me at the end of the day when we get to uh, next spring, it's like, all right, what were some of the most productive games for Ulysses Bentley? Kind of split time, a little bit of a timeshare. This is going to be a game where you see a lot of carries for Bentley, so that, that he would be the name to watch. He's definitely like uh, a draft draftable prospect at the running back position. Absolutely, and there's a lot of new ingredients in the in the pantry out there. Let's see if some of these meals taste good. There's a lot of new bodies out there, both sides of the ball. Like you said, they hit that transfer portal hard. Those two running backs, I think that's the safest transition. Let's get those guys going, get some good yardage, and I would just hate to see a program like this have a misstep right off the gate here with a lot of new bodies. Let's handle our business week one. Remember, Troy beat LSU on the road a couple years ago. It's exactly what I was thinking about. And Troy plays a lot of teams tough. They produce a lot of NFL-style players. So not a cupcake game despite the level of difference. All right, last category before we get to our mock draft, comparison chat. We're going to use an NFL comparison to talk about a player playing this weekend. Uh, Ben, I'll kick us off here. Because uh, LSU, Florida State, it's a game we're going to preview in the next segment uh, with, with, uh, with Ross. But LSU, they got the stud receiver, Kayshawn Boutte, uh, who a lot of people are really high on. There was a great piece uh, on The Athletic about Boutte recently that just dropped. I believe it was late last week. It might have been early this week. I'm losing track of the time. But uh, when I look at Boutte, the big thing that stands out to me about him – Yards after catch monster, and he's got like a long frame. He's kind of built like a basketball player at at the wide receiver position. Came in, set all kinds of freshman records at LSU when he first got there. He he arrived right after the national title season. So you look at Boutte, he kind of reminds me of like DJ Moore and Brandon Ayuk Uh, in terms of like the build. He's got the juice with the ball in his hands. Get him on those in-breakers and just let him work. That's where he excels, and that's where Moore and Ayuk both excelled, not just in college but also in the NFL. So that was a, a, a guy when I watched him immediate recollection of those two guys and, and their style of play. The body types are pretty similar. and It's not exact, but I think when you look at Butte, that's the style of player and how he'll win in the NFL. I feel like Moore and Ayuk had a little bit more of like core size and strength. And, uh, you know, I think Butte is a little bit leaner and a little bit more upright. Um, he, I thought his body type was more of like a Nelson Aguilar, mm, to be honest with you. Yeah, with a little bit more true route running pedigree that USC offense and Aguilar was a lot of double moves yep. but you saw his ability after the catch with you know punt returning returning in general screen game things like that uh Bupute is certainly a high level prospect I'm gonna uh, talk about another high level prospect I think Brian Brezzi all intents and purposes is a first round prospect he's not going anywhere yep. trench player for Clemson but how good is he he was mind, reminding me a lot of Jeffrey Simmons. Oh, interesting. And Jeffrey Simmons, I felt, was playing as well as any interior defensive lineman in the NFL down the stretch of last season. Absolutely dominant in that playoff game against the Bengals. They unfortunately lost, but he played his butt off. And I just think I see a similar type of player that's really stout. You probably don't want him playing a lot of nose tackle or, you know, one shade, but I think he's going to be a really good 2-I, 3-tech, 4-I type of player, a lot like the way we've used our Fletcher Cox Similar type of player. Sure. Brute strength, good every down player, power rusher. 
with surprising athleticism. And I think that's what Jeffrey Simmons really brings. And I just see Simmons getting better and better for that Titans team. They've gambled on taking him pretty early with the injury. Yep. And they're sitting here laughing right now. So I think Brian Brezzi also coming off the injury. Yeah, I was just going to make Expecting that yeah. a healthy 2022, and I'm, you know, I'm wishing him well. And I think that's the type of player you're going to get, a really solid, firm, point-of-the-attack, line-of-scrimmage player that can also get up the field and just go right through you on third down. Jeffrey Simmons, one of my favorite players in the NFL right now. Brian Brezzi looks like he's in those tracks. Yeah, you and I are on the same page with Brezzi. Uh, I know not everybody like loves him. I think everybody likes him. Not everybody loves him. But I think you and I both in the category, of the, we're in the latter. I, I think you and I both feel pretty strongly. There's just so many different shapes and sizes and ways to win and be effective as a trench player in the NFL. So I think comparisons for those types are really important. What type of player is he? Is he the the sharp, you know, one gap up the field guy? Is he just the the run plugging type? Is he the versatile type? So I think finding a fit and a comparison to the people listening on just what type of player could he be? Jeffrey Simmons, I think, kind of fits that mold. And I think too, it's and we talk about this all the time, like the versatility uh, for defensive linemen is so so important in today's game with how often teams now are trying to utilize multiple fronts and ask their guys to line up at a number of different techniques to win. So having that well-rounded skill set like Brezzi has, that's gonna be really valuable for him moving to the next level. All right, Ben, let's round this discussion out with our mock draft roundup. Every week we're gonna pick a mock draft, we're gonna look at who they've got the Eagles selecting, and also uh, look around the board and, and see uh, you know have some other takeaways as well. Well, this mock draft, you alluded to it earlier in the segment. Nate Tice, Nick Baumgartner over at The Athletic just dropped a new mock draft, a dual mock draft. And the top five picks, first guys off the board, New York Jets, number one, take pass rusher Will Anders from, from Alabama. Number two, Houston Texans take quarterback C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Number three, Atlanta Falcons take Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. Number four, the Chicago Bears take uh, Georgia corner Kaylee Ringo. I think this might be the highest I've seen Ringo go in a mock draft. That's probably my biggest takeaway from the top five. And then Seattle taking Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. I I'm assuming you were shaking your head that uh, Ringo, the, the big surprise for you there in the top five. Well, I think he has that ability. Yeah. It just uh, you know, I think with the open landscape cornerback classes I've been referring to it as, yep. I just don't think anyone commands the top 10 selection. Guy, so yeah, this right. is the highest we've seen somebody go. I have no problem taking him there. I think he could be worthy of that spot. But uh, I think because the class is so diluted right now, nobody's wanted to separate one guy from the rest of the pack. Yep. I, I, we're going to track this every week and just look at the top five. I feel like the chalk four are going to be Anderson, Stroud, Young, and Jalen Carter. Like the two quarterbacks, the two D-linemen from the SEC, you, you get those in the top five, and then who's that fifth guy? You're I think that guy's checking this every week. We got the receipts over here. No yes. putting out that mock draft in October and forgetting about in April, all right? <laughs> we have all the receipts. All right, well, let's uh, let's fast forward now to where the Eagles make their first selection, which is not until number 17. This is the pick from the New Orleans Saints, uh, and they take Texas A&M safety Antonio Johnson, a player that I know you're very high on. I've done him recently. I'm very high on Antonio Johnson. Let's get to the blurb here from Nick Baumgartner. Uh, th there was a note. This pick was sent in just before the Eagles traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but they did want to leave it in there uh, because of Antonio Johnson's versatility and his long-range potential. Johnson, one of, the th one of those prospects in this class that you have to squint at right now to see the full picture, but if and when it all comes together, it could be fantastic. He's a safety with corner skills who could also be a big nickel. The Eagles are also in great spot here uh, to go corner, or they could package those picks 
and go quarterback to replace Jalen Hurts if need be. That's the blurb uh, from that mock draft. So, Ben, uh, just the reaction to Antonio Johnson, the selection there at number 17. I don't know if you have to squint too hard there, Nick. Why don't you uh, clean the smudge off your glasses there? But (laughs) he's a really interesting 6'3", 200-pound, explosive, long, playmaking nickelback that's in a very opportunistic position there, kind of right in the alley. So he gets a lot of TFLs. He's a blitzer. He gets his hand on the football and some underneath zone, can turn and run in man coverage. Honestly, even with the trade here, I think any secondary would take an Antonio Johnson level of player, considering the sub package need in the NFL, his versatility. I'm really excited for him, and I think he's going to have a huge season in the SEC. I just struggle to find a negative about him. Like, I guess like the big thing would be like just a little bit more ball production. Uh, I only had five PBUs and one pick last year, just one PBU in his freshman season. But I mean, this is a guy that's always around the football, explosive athlete, fluid hips. Um, love the he's a powerful striker, a really good tackler, a really good run defender. Uh, the versatility you mentioned. Uh, he brings an edge. He plays with a competitive play style. Antonio Johnson is a really good football player, uh, and so I, I'm actually fascinating to see there's I think there's a decent chance he goes higher than this like he's 17 here on this draft I mean would it would it shock you if he got up into like the latter stage of the top 10 early stages of the top 20 no I don't think so I think this is a I mean help me connect the dots here but this is a Dax Hill but with a better size with profile edge, no doubt so yeah. where Dax Hill get taken Dax Hill went in the, the 31 or right yeah 31 right I think he's going to be a higher level tester a higher level body type yep in a similar type of usage. Yeah. And I think he's going to have Jalen Petrie type production yep. just based on okay. where he plays in that defense. So, you know, it's a athleticism of Dax Hill with the production of Petrie and the size of Isaiah Simmons out there. Yep. It's a pretty intriguing combo. All right, so the three picks that went off the board just before uh, Antonio Johnson. At number 14, uh, Miles Murphy, the defensive end from Clemson. Brian Brezzi, the defensive tackle from Clemson, who we talked about earlier, goes to the Patriots. And the number 16, Ohio State wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I am fascinated to see uh, where people talk about Smith and Jigba going off the board because everybody loves him, but I, I don't think anybody's like, oh, yeah, top 10 type of receiver. So I'll be interested to see how that tracks here over the course of the season. Uh, ben, just a couple picks later, number 19 is when the Eagles make their next pick. And this is the selection uh, from Nick Baumgartner again. Isaiah Foskey, the pass rusher from Notre Dame, we talked about at the top of the segment. Here's the blurb from Nick. The Eagles, yet again, will have a very good opportunity to stack quality defenders in this draft. It's also time for Philadelphia to get younger on the edge with the type of athletes that can check off more than one box at a time. Foskey is that type of prospect. 6'5", 260 pounds. He's fast enough to a degree to run with running backs and tight ends if you want him to. He's explosive off the corner as a pass rusher with great length and buckets of potential. So Ben, reaction there to Isaiah Foskey being the pick for the Eagles there at number 19 in this mock. Um, I, yeah, I think he would be an exciting piece. Um, and I think he really fits our scheme and the way Jonathan Gannon likes to deploy those defensive ends and Sam linebackers. I know it says edge there and I know he's 6'4", 255. He played all over the place yep. for the past two years at Notre Dame. He played some off ball. He played some detached. I was going to ask, like, do you feel like he would be like a Hassan Reddick style? Pre- like he plays a Sam backer in that, in that kind yeah, of system, Yeah, with a right? little bit more traditional defensive end size. Yeah. I think Reddick was a little undersized and unconventional, but Coming that's out, what yep. allowed him to be such a blur of explosiveness as a defensive end, and that's why the Arizona Cardinals wanted to move positions and X, Y, and Z. But sure. I really feel like um, Isaiah Foskey would be a nice piece, and I think his versatility – really is exactly what they're you know breeding here with the defensive end group. So mm. nice player, and I'm very intrigued to see how he's used this year. Yeah. I almost want to see that versatility settle down. Yep. I felt like he was used too much uh, all over the place in college. 
Let's find one role, one spot, and let's dominate there. Mm. Yeah, I, I, when I look at uh, the new defensive scheme, you know, Al Golden stepping in as the defensive coordinator. Uh, he was uh, Chris Long's defensive coordinator at Virginia, uh, and uh, so definitely put Chris Long in position to have a ton of success on his way to becoming the number two pick. Um, we had some great pass rushers at Temple. They had some good pass rushers at Miami. They'll find ways to get Foskey uh, his opportunities to pin his ears back and go. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he looks like here in his final season potentially, uh, with the Fighting Irish. The three guys that went right after the Eagles, just so you have an idea, again, who are the players that are going in this area of the draft. Uh, Seattle at 20, taking uh, B- or Ballard nose tackle Siaki Ika. Cincinnati at 21, taking Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer. And then Noah Sewell, the linebacker from Oregon, going off the board, number 22, to Minnesota. Uh, ben, of those three guys, pick one to talk about here. Uh, Siaki Ika. Michael Mayer, Noah Sewell, who's a, of those three, who stands out to you? I think the Siaki Ika pick there, uh, 20th to the uh, the Seahawks. I think that's a little bit rich. I see him a little bit more as a one-dimensional run plugger. Yep. I think he might have some transitional issues uh, being a three-down player at the next level, so I think it's going to hurt his draft stock. That would probably be the most surprising selection in the entire first round with a little asterisk of, Miles Murphy before Brian Brezzy. Mm. I just can't get down with that. I think Brezzy's a much higher level prospect. Miles Murphy, he is a NFL player. He's a good player, yeah, no doubt. But he's boring. Yep. You right, know, he's right. a guy that's gonna yep. set the edge. The good kind of boring. No question. Yes. Yeah, he's gonna do his role. He just doesn't give you a whole lot of juice and excitement. Yep. Uh, which the NFL draft is all about. Yep. So I think he's gonna be kind of more of a day two, ho hum, boring defensive end. I wonder if Michael Mayer will be viewed this way by the time we get to October, November. Uh, and you, I think you've done a little bit more work on him than I have. Um, but just is is he like that type of athlete that we look at and say like, yeah, like top twenty pick? Do we feel like solid that he'll definitely be there? Uh, I am interested to see uh, how he ends up. I think up he's going to be in that conversation. That's, that's what he's talking about right now. No yeah. question. And uh, I think suddenly this tight end group is also getting pretty deep and intriguing. And yeah. I think the Eric Gilberts of the world yeah. are in that same kind of conversation. And there's some veteran guys out there that return with some good uh, three down ability. So. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting tight end group, no question. Last question here. Favorite pick inside the top 15? We talked a lot about the guys outside because that's where the Eagles uh, picked in this mock draft. But when you looked at the top 15, was there one pick that you're like, oh, yeah, I, I love that pick, love that fit, love the the player selection, whatever it is? Philosophically, are we building the trenches first and then outside? Do we get the quarterback and then get all the pieces? Do we get weapons first and then build the roster? I love seeing how different teams do it. I don't always agree with it. Mm. I just love seeing Peter Skaronsky going to the Steelers at nine. Listen, they have a young first-round rookie quarterback competing for it this year. Their offensive line's in shambles. Yep. They did not address either tackle spot with Dan Moore <clears throat> or a core four. So I love seeing Skaronsky go in there with a top 10 pick and let's beef up those trenches in front of your young quarterback before it's too late. That's mm. uh, for me. Uh, it's a guy we talked about. The very first player we hit on in this segment was Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon corner, number 11 11th, in wow. this mock draft to the Washington Commanders. Um, now, I, I kind of view Gonzalez right now as more of a fit for like a pure man scheme at this point. I am interested. It's, they're going to play a little bit more zone uh, in Oregon. So I'm ex- interested to see uh, how he does in that scheme this year. And again, we've talked about why he's so fascinating. But at number 11 to Washington, Washington right now with this defensive staff, they play there's a, there's a lot of zone. Uh, and so how is he going to adjust uh, to that kind of system? But we've talked about I mean, Gonzalez is a fascinating prospect. Yeah, I've heard some people say it reminds me of a Xavier Howard. Yeah. I've heard of Marshawn Lattimore. Yep. And that's the type I think of— more 
Lattimore. That's in terms the of build, size yeah. and speed yes, you're getting. Right. Those two types of corners. Let's see if uh, the new program can catch some lightning in a bottle. Listen, ninth overall on Dane's board, eleventh yep. in this mock draft. Yep. Listen, that's way too rich, in my opinion, mm. for what he's put on tape. Right. That's you're betting on the comp. Right that's now. a projection, yes. in my yes. opinion, and believe me, he's got the ability. Yep. Now let's see if he puts it on tape and really connects all those dots. Well, Ben, this was uh, this was fun, man. Our first like real. This was like our first real preview yeah. for college football. You feel it good. now. Yes. You feel like we're getting into it. No, no question. Well, we'll be back uh, early next week. Myself, Ben, Dane Brugler, breaking it all down right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. But this episode is not done. Now let's transition to another preview this week with my buddy Ross Tucker. Let's go to pick six. Now it's time for pick six. All right, well, it's the moment that you've all been waiting for if you're still listening to this part of the podcast. The premiere, the return of Pick 6 as I welcome in Ross Tucker. Last year, you guys will remember our weekly competitions. Uh, Ross beat me by seven points last year, uh, and that was uh, you know disappointing on my end. I won the first year uh, back when we did it in 2020. So, Ross, we got the, uh, the rubber match here this year in uh, 2022. I love it, man. I'm ready. You know how much I enjoy this and look forward to it every week. One of my favorite things every week is when I get back on with you and you tell me how we did the week before. Cause I don't always, some, like I pay attention to like half of them, Fran, but I forget the other half. So I'm always like dying to actually go against you and see, okay, how did I do? By the way, how about me giving you uh, not one, but two shout outs for you, Ben and the journey of the draft podcast during the preseason games. Who loves you? It was Who takes uh, care of much you? appreciated. I, 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 I look, I texted you uh, both times and said, and I really appreciate the, the love for the journey of the draft podcast, especially uh, on the broadcast, but also like I, uh, not just for the, uh, you know, for the preseason broadcast, but love having our conversations every year over on Eagles draft central uh, once we get to late April. And so that's why you're just a natural fit here for this segment. It's perfect. I love it. I love doing the draft with you. Um, I'm a huge fan of your videos. I already, you know, Thursday morning watched the Chauncey Gardner Johnson videos. I mean, I think everybody that listens to this podcast probably knows, but if you're not following Fran on Twitter at Eagles XOs and watching his videos, that you're just doing it wrong. I mean, it, it's as good a content as there is for the Philadelphia Eagles, period. I mean, I, it's a mandatory part of my preparation every week for the radio stuff I do, for the pregame show. I need to watch the videos that Fran puts out to see his clips of how certain Eagles players performed. Well, I appreciate it, man. Well, let's uh, let's get into uh, what we're going to expect to see here in college football this weekend, and we'll start uh, with a couple pickums. Now, uh, I'm going to be a little bit more uh, clear with my scoring system this season. The pickums every week will count for two points each, and so it's just how it sounds. Straight pickum. First game you and I are going to talk about, Ross. Utah at Florida. That's going to be Saturday night, seven o'clock on ESPN. Uh, your thoughts here? This is a big matchup, cross conference matchup here between the SEC and Pac-12. Yeah, I, I've gone back and forth on this one, man. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of excitement about their quarterback and what he's been able to do, but I'm going with the Gators. I mean, it's the first game of the year. It's on the road in the swamp. I know listening to Emory Hunt, uh, our buddy on the College Draft Podcast, he thinks Anthony Richardson is going to end up being the number one quarterback taken. He's that high on the upside of the physical Marvel who didn't even play that much 
last year. I am a big fan of Billy Napier and some of the transfers he's brought in. I'm taking the Gators to, I guess, pull off a mild upset at home. Yeah, I, I went back and forth on this one as well for a lot of the reasons you just said. I mean, look, uh, there's a lot of unknown when it comes to Florida, but Billy Napier is tried and tested as a, as a coach and as a program builder, uh, brought a lot of people from Louisiana with him to Gainesville. Uh, you, you have the Anthony Richardson factor there, and that certainly could come into play, and, and maybe he lights the college football world on fire here this fall, and this is the, the launching off point for that. But to your point, Utah's got the veteran coach in Whittingham. They've got a veteran defense once again. You've got a veteran offensive line. You've got an established quarterback and running back tandem with Tavian Thomas, the running back, the power back that scored like 3,000 touchdowns last year, and the quarterback in Cam Rising that was first-team all-conference a year ago out west. So uh, to me, I'm going to take Utah. I don't feel great about it, but this was that's why I wanted to put this one in here. I think this is a really fun matchup. Utah was not great on the road last year. A lot of the teams they did beat away from Utah, away from Salt Lake City, were kind of uh, you know they were they weren't they, they didn't have the best uh, road schedule last year in terms of high quality opponents. And like I said, all of their losses were away from home a year ago. So this is no easy test for them to come cross country into the heat in in Florida uh, and come away with this win. But I will take the Utes. I will go separate from you uh, on this one. So. We're starting on opposite sides of the board for our first one. One more pick I'm here for us today. Staying in the state of Florida. We're going to go Florida State at LSU. That's going to be Sunday night football, 730 on ABC. Sunday night football, Florida State at LSU. Ross, who do you like here on this one? Oh, yeah, I like LSU. Um, I'm a big believer in sort of the new head coach, Brian Kelly bump, if you will. I still believe LSU is more talented with Butte at receiver and some of the guys that Kelly has brought in both in the true freshman as well as some of the transfers. Not a big Florida State guy at LSU. Again, good luck. There might not be two tougher places to play in the SEC than at Florida in the swamp and at LSU in a night game, those people are going to be going bananas. The I don't think the LSU Tigers are losing Brian Kelly's first home game to Florida State. Yeah, Florida State, they, they did have a week zero matchup. They blew out Duquesne last week at home. Um, but obviously, this is a, a whole different beast. And trying to trying to beat LSU uh, on the road at night, like you said, uh, I, I am, too, going to stay, side with you. I'm going to take the Bayou Bengals here against Florida State. So uh, an easy one. You and I on the same side uh, with this one. Next one. We're going to go over-under. These are going to count one point each week. And basically, it's it's just this is a kind of basic premise as well. Over-under, uh, I'll pick a different number each week. And this one is going to be 58.5. That's the, that's the number I'm setting. And that's going to be rushing yards for Georgia senior running back Kenny McIntosh going up against Oregon. Uh, that's going to happen 3.30 on ABC Saturday afternoon. Prime, prime time slot there uh, for Oregon-Georgia. Another great interconference battle here on Saturday. I like the over. Um, I, I think Georgia is going to win the game. I think Georgia is going to have the lead. I know they lost a lot, friend. Guess what? They still got a lot. Jalen Carter, yeah. Nolan Smith, Ringo, a corner. They have like, I think last time I checked, maybe three first round pick tight ends. How is that possible for one college football team? It's insane. I mean, what, what are we even talking about here? They still have Stetson Bennett, who I will take over Bo Nix any day of the week. I think Georgia wins the game. They might even win it going away. And I think as a result, 
they are running the football in the second half to put it away, and McIntosh goes over the total. So a, a little uh, background as to why I picked 58 and a half. 58 is actually the number of attempts that Kenny McIntosh had all of last year. Uh, he is set to split some reps here in a little bit of a committee with Kendall Milton. Um, and it's a talented stable of young backs behind them, as we've come to expect with Georgia. But look, McIntosh is, is stepping into an increased role. Um, remember... Oregon went on the road in Columbus last year in week two, and they beat Ohio State. Uh, so I, I wonder, you know, this is going to be a battle-tested unit, albeit with a different coaching staff uh, out there in Eugene. But, um, you know, when I look at this run defense, uh, that front seven at Oregon, no joke. Noah, Noah Sewell and Justin Flo, uh, now a healthy Justin Flo. That guy was a big-time recruit. We know about Noah Sewell. We've talked about him numerous times here on the podcast this leading into the season. Uh, Dan Lanning is the, the, the new head coach for the Ducks. Remember, previously the defensive coordinator coordinator at Georgia. So he's got a sense of uh, this offensive attack and uh, the, certainly that personnel on that side. I'm going to take the under, I think for a number of reasons. I think that if you look at the committee approach there, potentially with Georgia, uh, I can you can say, all right, well, maybe not all of these guys uh, put up huge, huge numbers on the ground against a tough, tough seven, uh, front seven with Dan Lanning at the helm. Uh, I'll take the under and go opposite from you. So uh, I will take the under on 58 and a half rushing yards for Kenny McIntosh against the Ducks. Let's go now to the next one. This one will also be a one-pointer every week, and this is an either-or. And basically what I'll do every week in the either-or is it I'll kind of post this player versus that player. And for this, for this one this week, we're going to go who throws for more touchdowns, Cincinnati quarterback Ben Bryant or Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson. I will throw in. Ben Bryant, not officially the starter yet at Cincinnati. They're leaving it. They're being a little bit cagey uh, with how the summer competition went. Uh, ben Bryant, a senior who actually started his career at Cincinnati, transferred out to Eastern Michigan, started last year there, then came back. Uh, now is going to be potentially the starter uh, taking over for Desmond Ritter. But Ben Bryant against KJ Jefferson, uh, Cincinnati, Arkansas. Who throws for more touchdowns, Ross? I'm going uh, KJ Jefferson. Uh, you know, Bryant coming in. For Ritter, uh, first of all, we know that Cincinnati likes to run the rock. Uh, we know that. And not that Arkansas doesn't, but yep. Cincinnati, yeah, Sam Cincinnati Pittman, likes yeah, to run the around. rock. Yep. We know that, Luke Fickle. And you even said it. You know, he's a first-game starter. Desmond Ritter's looking good in the preseason for the Falcons. K.J. Jefferson's a known commodity. Doesn't have a trail on Burks anymore, but I'll still yep. take him to throw for more touchdowns than Ben Bryant. So just from a pure game theory standpoint, it might be a safer bet to go with Jefferson just because we don't know for sure that Bryant is 100% uh, the starter. But I'm going to go with Bryant because I'm going to assume that he's going to be the starter. And Jefferson may account for more touchdowns. Arkansas may win the game. Jefferson is one of my favorite players to watch in college football. He is so athletic and he is so tough. He's so big. He is like a big tight end running with the football. He is so much fun to watch in the open field. Some of my favorite SEC highlights last year had to do with KJ Jefferson. Um, but I'm going to go with Ben Bryant here. Uh, Cincinnati, I know that, you know, that obviously they lose Alec Pierce, but they've got plenty of pass game weapons returning, including the tight ends, uh, Josh Wiley and Leonard Weaver or Leonard Walker. So uh, to me, I'm going to look at Ben Bryant here to throw more touchdowns in this game. Now, we've got one more one-point category here, and that's our high-low. And each week, what I'll do for high-low is it's which number is higher. So uh, this week, we're going to say which number is higher, and we're going to look at the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. Is it going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba's yards per reception or Ohio State's margin of victory 
over the Irish. So uh, there's a, a lot of ways you can look at this, Ross, and I'm interested to see which way you decide to go. You know what? It's a good question. I'm going to go Smith and Jigba. I think Notre Dame is going to keep it close. I, I I really do. I, you know, I feel like there's a lot of Notre Dame disrespect going on out there. Notre Dame's a good football team. They, they got a bunch. They're of, number five. They're not number five preseason ranking right now. Exactly. They're ranked number five in the country. They got a lot of really good players. Their O line's always good. They've got a first round pick tight end in Mayer. They got a first round pick defensive end in Foskey. I know Ohio State's good. And no, I think Ohio State will win the game. But wow. I mean, Smith and Jigba is probably going to be at least 12 to 15 yards per catch, you would have to think. Maybe more. I think Notre Dame keeps it to a 10-point game. I'll, I'll take Smith and Jigba's yard per catch and Notre Dame to keep it closer than Smith's yards per catch. Yeah, I, it's funny. It's like I said at the top of it. There are a lot of different ways you can look at it. Uh, Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman, the last year's defensive coordinator that everybody everybody respects, uh, he got promoted to head coach. They bring in Al Golden to be the defensive coordinator, someone I know uh, very well on a professional level uh, as my former boss. I think when you look at the way that Al Golden is going to approach this game, my guess is that's going to be at the top of the list in terms of things that need to be accomplished. Is you got to limit Jackson Smith and Jigba. The last time we saw this guy on a football field in a competitive setting, he was torching the Utah secondary with Rose Bowl records left and right. So I think you go into this game saying we have to limit the way that they, we can't let Jackson Smith and Jigba beat us. He can't be the number one reason why Ohio State comes away with this win. I am going to go with the OSU margin here, and I think that Ohio State ultimately wins this game. But I think that they were going to do everything in their power to make it so that it's not because Jackson Smith and Jigba tore us up, whether he's inside or outside. Uh, I think that's going to be the number one goal for this defense. So I'll go separate from you on that one. I will take the OSU margin. Now, Ross, our final segment here in our pick six, and it's your, I know it's your favorite every single week, our upset special. Big Pick one big upset to win, and the scoring for that every single week will be eight points. So you get eight points if you pick an outright upset from the field. Ross, I'll, uh, I'll let you do the damage here. You'll, you can do the honors of leading us off. I feel good about this one, Fran. I mean... I feel really good about mine, too. Oh, man. I, I wonder if they're the same. I am going with Texas State at, at Nevada. Nevada, I yeah. mean, they lost... Not only their quarterback, Carson Strong, the two-time Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year, they lost their NFL draft pick tight end, Cole Turner. They lost their stud receiver, Romeo rolling on dubs, although I guess they say now it's pronounced dubs. Their head coach left. Jay Norvell left in the offseason to go to Colorado State from Nevada. I don't think Nevada is going to be very good. I think they are overrated based on last year. I think they are primed for an upset. I am taking Texas State to win at Nevada and uh, be the big upset win for me this week. So I'm going to go uh, with another game I feel pretty good about. And these two teams played each other last year, and the upset team won. Memphis on the road against Mike Leach and Mississippi State. Uh, Memphis wins in shocking fashion. A little bit of controversy at the end of that game. If you may remember, there was a, a big return where it was questionable of whether a guy uh, was down or not. But at the end of the day, Memphis wins that game. Uh, I know how these things go. You know that leading into this at Mississippi State, that we can't let that happen again. We can't have to let that happen again. Sometimes that can build the pressure the opposite way. 
I'm going to let, I like Memphis here. They have a new offensive coordinator. They're working on becoming a more explosive offense than they were a year ago. I think this is a team that's got speed on the outside. They've got playmakers at running back once again, a quarterback that's been a really good distributor of the football. To me, I'm going to go Memphis on the road against Mississippi State uh, to, to come up with the big upset here in week one, Ross. So uh, what's exciting about this, man, we we went opposite on like every single pick minus one. So we're going to have a, uh, an interesting battle right off the top here for pick six. Well, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to win a couple of them. You're going to win a couple of them. And one of us is only going to be up by (laughs) one point going into next week. Well, what what I'll do is I will encourage any of our listeners that if you want, play along uh, with us on a weekly basis. And even if you just do it every once in a while, uh, shoot us your your picks before games start on Saturday, uh, and we will see how you do against us. But, Ross, uh, looking forward to catching up with you next week right here on Pick 6 on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. Always fun to catch up with Ross, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, doing this every single week with him once again this college football season. Uh, let's get into some of our questions here from our mailbag. we got two questions, or I should say we have two comments, one question. First one, R2RS88 left a five-star review just saying, no hot takes, just opinions based on knowledge, uh, recommending everybody to listen to the show. So really appreciate that from R2RS88. Thanks so much for that, and the five-star review on our Apple Podcast page. Last one here, a question from JD Sports, longtime listener of the show who left a five-star review and and just asked a question which quarterback has the best chance to be this year's Joe Burrow Zach Wilson Kenny Pickett a guy that can climb up the board from a day three prospect to being a first round pick and and JD it does seem to happen almost on a yearly basis now where we're seeing these guys kind of come from the back end of the draft have a huge final season and hear their names you know in Joe Burrow's case he was number one Zach Wilson went number two Kenny Pickett going in the first round the only quarterback to go in the first round this spring I would say if you look at just the senior class uh, and obviously we've talked talked a little bit about Anthony Richardson this year. Um, Richardson already kind of has some buzz, you know, and Ross alluded to it in the last segment. Emory Hunt uh, already has him as his QB1. So I would say uh, Richardson for some may be coming off the radar, but to me, I would say the two guys that most fit this bill, Devin Leary from NC State and Keaton Slovis from Pitt. Uh, Slovis, Look, we talked about him on the ACC show a few weeks ago. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was all perfect for him in the last couple of years at USC, but I would also say that the supporting cast around him kind of left some meat on the bone, right? There were there were a lot of drops for the Trojans last year before Slovis got hurt. The protection was a really leaky for him up front, and that honestly was part of the reason why he ended up leaving the lineup. So I think when you look at Keaton Slovis, the arrow might be pointing up there. New offense with Pitt. Yeah, they lose Jordan Addison, but there's still some weapons there in that pass game. We'll see if he can capitalize on that and kind of a wide open ACC going into the season and the same boat here for Devin Leary except for him it's not the change of scenery that gives you confidence it's more the continuity uh, yeah they lose their number one receiver uh, but they still have a bunch of pass game weapons going back you got that offensive line that yeah yeah you lose uh, your left tackle but still a bunch of returning starters up front it's the same offensive system Devin Leary is not the the most physically gifted quarterback I would say Slovis uh, from a pure arm, arm talent standpoint maybe a, a, a step above but I think Leary just plays the position at a really high level. And I think when you look at him, he's got the ability to step in and you know make that next step. And we'll see if he does. Uh, this is a, a crowded quarterback class as it is. So we'll see if there's anybody this year that makes that jump. But looking at the senior class, I would say Leary and Slovis, uh, for me, are the guys that best have that opportunity to make that jump. So two guys from the ACC. 
DC. Uh, that said, uh, let's wrap this episode up. Excited to get back into the swing of things. Regular season mode here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. We'll be back next week recapping everything we see this weekend in week one.